going on, everybody? Elliot here, latest episode of the Real Huddle Matt Lombardo, as usual. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. In this week's game, as we said on the last episode of our Hot Take Podcast, this week's Chicago Bears matchup, we're not going to get into position-by-position breakdown. It's just not that interesting, let's be honest. No one wants to hear that. So, this is officially the Alshon episode. It's Alshon's return against his old team. Um, every episode, it seems like we always say, oh, I don't want to get into the Alshon debate. Today, we're getting into it. Today, we're going to talk about Alshon. We're going to talk about whether he's going to come back. We're going to talk about how he's been this season, what our expectations were, what the Eagles should do. And then, I guess we'll both pick how many points the Eagles will win by at the end of the episode. But the first <laughs> thing, and of course, they'll lose now. Um, I think the uh, – let's start, though, with our review. We like to read a fan review yep. um, for our preview pod, even though this is the official Alshon pod. Um, Matt, why don't you go first? Yeah, this one comes in from uh, Johnny U Drums. His headline is just awesome. It's a five-star review. He says, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm born and raised in Philly. It's so great to be able to have the No Huddle Show podcast to get all the details and opinions I want to know about. I love that it's on multiple times a week, and when you guys had your mini-buy, I was going through withdrawal. So thank you, fellas. Have a great Thanksgiving, and I look forward to more podcasts. So thank you, Johnny U Drums. Thank you for the five-star review, and and we're sorry for the bye week. Hopefully you have a great Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of stuffing. Eat a lot of pumpkin pie. And uh, enjoy what should be a pretty easy game I'm not, for the Eagles on I'm Sunday. I'm not big on pumpkin pie, oh, to geez. be honest. <laughs> to be honest. My goodness. <laughs> Between the not pumpkin pie and the cottage cheese on, on your spaghetti. spaghetti yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, I could ever I would say with you. carrot cake. Oh. I like better than pumpkin pie. Get apple the hell pie. Out of here. <laughs> apple pie I like better than, than pumpkin pie. And. Pineapple upside down cake. That's not a pie, though. That's so not like, a pie. Yeah, it was not a pie. But I, I would say there's like, uh, <laughs> I can't even think of the most bizarre food combination. Blueberry just... pie, maybe. Okay. I'm just not a big pumpkin pie guy. But teach his own. And thank you, Johnny. Uh, Johnny, you jumps for the uh, review. Yep. So my review um, I'm going to read is, I think it transitions nicely into the first question I want to ask you. Um, so it's, how you like Howie Roseman now by Stupid Howie Haters. <laughs> Five-star review, which we love. And the, the review is simply Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman, Howie Roseman, Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas. <laughs> Nicely put, stupid Howie haters. So I was thinking about this, and before we get completely into the Alshon debate, so I've always been critical of Howie. And I'm, and let me ask you this question. It's, it's kind of a hypothetical big picture question. Were the people that thought that this – in training camp, we thought the running backs were an issue. We thought the cornerbacks were an issue. We yep. thought depth overall was an issue. Linebacker depth in particular, which is getting tested to a certain degree with Hicks being out. Right. So Howie did make some moves. I mean, he traded for Darby in training camp. But were we wrong or are players just outperforming? So I guess my question is – and I'm not taking anything away from Howie. I agree with you. He deserves being the GM or whatever you want to call him year of the uh, – that award. But my question is, is Howie getting lucky in the way that players are just simply outperforming? Or did he see this coming and he correctly evaluated? And again, I, I don't know. mean this as a knock to Howie. I'm just saying, like, were we were we wrong and Howie's right? Or was it more in the middle? Well, I think that this season, Elliot, is kind of a, lo- a lot of things. And it's kind of a combination of both of those perspectives. Number mm-hmm. one, I touched on it a little bit on the, the Monday pod recapping the Cowboy game. 
you know, the Eagles really, in a lot of ways, lucked into their circumstance this season in terms of the rest of the NFL. You think about Aaron yeah. Rodgers being down, now the Green Bay Packers are irrelevant. You think about Ezekiel Elliott going through a six-game suspension, the Cowboys lose Tyron Smith, they lose Sean Lee, they're a non-factor in the NFC East. Odell Beckham goes down, the Giants implode. Injuries across the league. David Johnson with the Arizona Cardinals, that's one less team that you have to deal with, and the Seahawks really didn't do a good enough job addressing their offensive line, particularly from a depth perspective. So that's number one. I think that if anybody got lucky, I think the Eagles overall got lucky with how this season is playing out and how healthy yeah. they are. But I think that we have to give Howie Roseman credit. Maybe he wasn't quote-unquote right, but you look at the depth on this roster. You look at guys that are stepping in and contributing at linebacker. Joe Walker's playing meaningful snaps, and we talked about whether you could hide it inside linebacker or not. I don't know that you've really noticed that Jordan Hicks hasn't been out there because Michael Kendricks and Joe Walker have played well. How Apulaviti Vitae has stepped in and improved every week for Jason Peters, whereas you look at the Cowboys and they lose Teron Smith and they have to go through two and three backup players who are turnstiles at tackle anyway, Chaz Green being benched being one of them. So I think that Howie deserves a lot of credit for the foresight of building a roster with quality depth that goes back to last year's draft class and Joe Douglas deserves a lot of credit for finding undrafted free agent gems like Corey Clement and you know this but, team drafting Derek Barnett and but, getting meaningful snaps from So him. to me the the example of maybe Howie getting lucky and I can already see people saying I'm take, trying to take away from Howie but is Rasul Douglas week 1 he's a healthy scratch so clearly they didn't feel he was completely ready to play. They, they did not want to play him right. at week the start two, of the year, maybe not he this plays. year. Week three, I think he starts, because week two was Jalen Watkins. So they start Jalen Watkins over him at corner. Then Rasul Douglas has to go in, and he ends up playing really good football for yep. seven or eight weeks or whatever it was. So I guess that would be, to me, an example of, like, did Howie correctly evaluate, or they evaluated overall correctly, because I think Rasul Douglas is going to be good. But are players just playing above their head? I think it's an interesting question. We, we can move on to sure. Alshon. But well, we, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's an interesting thought, given that one of the reasons I think that they're in the position they are at 9-1 and one is because of the depth, and Rasul Douglas is part of that depth, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, and, and you see Eagles fans, like, throwing shade at Cowboy fans on Twitter and this back and forth, which I think is kind of silly because the bigger thing isn't just Dak Prescott versus Carson Wentz. It's not Darren Sproles versus the value of Ezekiel Elliott. It's the fact that Howie Roseman and the Eagles franchise built a roster that was able to withstand injuries to key players, yeah. whereas the Cowboys have not been able to do that. And whether Rasul Douglas was coached up by Corey Undlin and Jim Schwartz, whether he was evaluated properly as a third-round pick, and there are third-round picks who pan out and contribute as rookies right away, whatever the case may be, he's playing well at this point. Right. And the Eagles have him because Joe Douglas and because Howie Roseman drafted him in the third round. And he's just one example. You can talk about trading for Ronald Darby, and you saw what he did on Sunday night and the value that he brings to the secondary. I, I just think that top to bottom in a 53-man roster, we were talking about the other day, most teams, if you had to bring in a kicker, if you had to under an emergency circumstance, could cut a backup offensive lineman or a fourth-string right. linebacker. With this team, I'm not sure who you cut. Right. You right. said it yourself. There, there isn't that luxury because of the roster that they've built, and I think that that's one of the key reasons, along with Wentz, that they're 9-1. and one. So with that being said of their roster and the roster how he's built, let's get into Alshon. So 
Currently right now, 38 catches, 567 yards, six touchdowns. Obviously, he's the story this week because the Bears are coming back. He said he's not, you know, of course, he, he said what you would expect. He's not, you know, interested in just playing the Bears to get revenge. He's focused on the Eagles. He wants to win, et cetera, et cetera. But as of right now, 38 catches, 567 yards, six touchdowns. On pace, if he keeps this up, and I think he's going to going to exceed his pace, but 60, 60 catches, 907 yards, nine and a half touchdowns. So, I think, and I, I'm guessing you'll agree, we're looking at a receiver that's going to finish with r- roughly 1,000 yards, maybe a little over, a little under, and 10 touchdowns. Isn't that what we expected back in camp? Well, that's not what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I thought Zach Ertz would lead the team in receiving, and I think he's still on he pace still to do that. Yep. Yeah, he's still on, on pace to do that. Alshon, I think if we recorded this podcast, and we, obviously we, we talked about him throughout the season, but if we record the all Alshon podcast after week five, I think we're talking about a little different, differently than we are now. Um, the interesting thing about Alshon is, even in the Cowboys game, what did he finish with, 50 yards receiving? 67 and, and, two a touchdown. T- and one touchdown. One touchdown. And a two-point conversion. Right, catch. yeah. Yep. So, good game. Like, still isn't top to 100 yards this year. I think Alshon is still what he is, which is a, num- a very, very good number two receiver, not a completely dominant number one okay, receiver. Okay, we, we have – let me just – Let's establish the ground rules of what we deem number one receivers and elite okay. receivers. To me, if you're a top 32 receiver in terms of yards, catches, and the meaningful statistics, I think that makes you a quote-unquote number one receiver. Well, if but here will be my counter to that, though. If you're top 10, I think you're elite. I, okay, but here will be my counter to that. There's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Right, yep. so I would argue though that the 27th, however you want to rank them, is not a number one cornerback. Quarterback, they're just starting, and well, I would say the same for corners. So I see your point about how if you're top 32, then I guess in theory you are a number one type guy. But I just think when I look at all right, so first of all, I'm looking right now in yards, he's six, he's currently 26th in the NFL. Okay. So, so that fits. I mean, we're barely, gonna have different definitions of number ones, right? I mean, right. elite to me is top 10. And I think that Alshon Jeffrey isn't elite, but I think that he's a quote-unquote number one. I'm trying to find him in catches. So I, I, based off this list, off NFL.com, he's not even in the top 50 in catches. Because he's got, yeah, 38. So he'd be yep. tied for 50th. So his numbers still aren't great. I agree with you. I think, like, when you're talking about elite guys, I like – I don't. This is like when we used to get in the Sam Bradford debate, and I would say he's not a franchise quarterback, and you'd say, well, he's a pretty good quarterback, and then obviously injuries derailed him. Right. But I just think to me, there's only like five or six really true number one elite elite receivers in the NFL, and then the rest, there's like then there's a second level that are, that are sure. pretty good. And, and I, go I, I think that. Alshon's in that third level. I think he is not in like the the second level of guys like uh, like. All right, here's an example. I haven't watched a ton of Viking games, so take this with a grain of salt. But Adam Thielen from the Vikings. Great numbers this year. Would I say he's like a number one physically dominant receiver? I don't know if I would, but I think he's in that second class. Or like DeAndre Hopkins, I don't care what his numbers are, he's a number one. I agree. He's, like, he might even be elite. I think that you. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Right. He's, yeah, he's an elite right. guy. Right. Like Julio Jones. Like these elite. are elite guys yes. we're talking about. Des Bryant, like the elite guys. I think Alshon's below them, and I think he's like a like significantly below that. Okay, I, I'll, I'll also say this, that if we want to talk about what Alshon's doing this year, Terrell Pryor, I think, is the, the comp, because both these guys signed on the first day of free agency. They both uh, went from new teams, new quarterbacks, new situations. Terrell Pryor 
20 catches, 240 yards, and one touchdown. Yeah, he's and, been and a I disappointment. Think I think there's something to be said for the time that it takes. We've talked about this back since July and August, and we kind of were beating that drum and beating that drum, and now you're starting to see halfway through the season, and we talked about this after the San Francisco game, that, mm-hmm. okay, Alshon is starting to heat up, and I think that you're starting to see him emerge as that quote-unquote, as I say, number one, as you say, potentially the Eagles, quote-unquote, number one, not in the NFL right. per se. But I think that it takes time for quarterbacks and receivers to get on the same page, you're starting to see it. And I think that if you're a wide receiver who posts a 1,000-yard, 9-12 to touchdown caliber season, I don't care if you want to use the word elite or not, I think, in my opinion, that type of production labels you as a number one. And I think that is fair. I think if he gets 1,000 yards and 10-plus touchdowns, then I do think he can hit the free agency market if that is what he ends up doing. And teams that sign him can view him as signing, like, a number one receiver. I just don't think he is, like, a dominant receiver. So, so, to, so and the reason that matters is this, is because we're talking about how much you're going to pay him. So, if we're, I'm looking at the, the contracts in the NFL at receiver right now. Um, if you look at the average amount, the top in the league is DeAndre Hopkins. He averaged $16 million a year. Clearly, Alshon's not going to get that. Even though, when he was a free agent last year, before he actually hit the market, everyone was saying, oh, well, he's going to get $13, $14 million. He ended up getting $9.5 million. So, clearly, you know, he didn't get that. But Well, let's, let's take one small baby step back here. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Let's look at the wide receiver position in free agency, and, and you tell me. This year kind of, or Lex, last no, year? No, c- coming up. Okay. Here, here are some names right. that are going to be available. All right, nice. Alshon Jeffrey. All right. Terrell Pryor. Okay. Mike Wallace, who's like 115 years old. Right, yeah, not Sammy that Watkins. Eric, who's having a better year. Eric, De- Yeah, right. Eric Decker might resign, by the way, Watkins in L.A. to right. play with Goff. Uh, Harry Douglas, who's a fringe... Not even sure who that is. Yeah, slot receiver, former Falcon, current Tennessee Titan, Taylor Gabriel... Dontrell Inman. All right, your point's made. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, so yeah. if we want to say that Alshon Jeffrey is not going to command $16 million on the open market, if he's the best option available, depending on team's cap space, I think there's a chance there could be a team, if he's the guy who's available, that could wind up getting between and, 13 and 15. And here's the thing I'll say. If not more. So we're, we're, we're very close to this situation. So, like, I mean, we interact with Alshon multiple times a week. So that is, of course, going to impact and affect our opinion of him. That's just his reality of the situation. And teams around the league will hear about how Alshon is in the Novacare complex. But to me Josh Bellamy ten million bucks? <laughs> no, I'm not no, I'm not doing that. But what I was gonna say was I think Alshon's increased his value. I think he's gonna end up with ten, you know, ten touchdowns. He's gonna end up with a thousand yards. And I think he's shown this year I mean obviously in Chicago he's coming off the uh P D suspension. He was injury prone. He looks like he's gonna play all sixteen games this year. Um, and not only that, I think there were kind of rumblings. I mean, the Bears didn't bring him back. You didn't hear great things about him out of Chicago. I think he's been an absolutely first-class model teammate for this organization. Matthew Slater going to make 10 million? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, maybe with Howie Payne. But, <laughs> so I think he, he's made he's increased his value. So you're not going to get him for less than $9.5 million. Which I think is why he came here in the first place. Right. I, I think so he's accomplished he's, that goal. Right. But my point is he's he, my point is part of the way he's increased his value in my eyes is off the field as well. And I think there's something to be said for that that makes up for a little bit of the fact that he's not going to have, you know, like 15 touchdowns or whatever. Um, so if you look at contracts, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, $16 million. Julio Jones, 14. Des and you got to remember, and these are averages. To, you have to project out that the cap is going to go up this year. It's going to continue to go up. All right, so, so he's what? He's the best of the bunch. All right, so what do you think he's going to get paid? I think that 
as we touched on Tuesday, I think the Eagles, if they're going to extend another player before the offseason, I think they got to go full court press but, to make it out. All right, but my question is, if you're Alshon, do you take less now? Well, Part of me see, feels like you do because, first of all, you have another six games of potentially risking injury. Yep. And you're in a good situation. It seems like he likes it here. Uh, you're on the – I mean, either them or the Patriots or the Steelers, the best teams in the NFL, maybe the Saints. But – so I think you maybe take a little less. But look, you just – I mean, Alshon and his agent are not stupid. Right. I mean, they've probably been talking about this list of potential free agents since they even signed with the Eagles. And, and that's so, probably so, why they did it, because they knew the cap was going up. The teams were a little more right. cap-strapped last year. And they had a chance to come with Carson Wentz and increase their value. I mean, listen – I don't know if I'm Alshon Jeffrey that I take less money under any circumstance. I think that his sole strategy was come to Philadelphia to get paid, and I think he still cashes in. But if I'm the Eagles, I'm trying to throw funny money in the back end of that deal to make it look like he's going to make more than he's going to make. Well, all right, so 15 receivers in the NFL right now have a contract that averages $10 million or more a year. Okay. So he's probably getting $10 million or yep. more a year. I yep. mean, very. You know, he's going to be the top free agent receiver. Would you pay um, him 13 would I pay him $13 million? I mean, I wouldn't pay him – see, but the other part of this the other part of this equation is if the Eagles – let's say they make it to the NFC Championship game, right? Like, the success of this team is going to factor in whether they re-sign Alshon. Because if, let's say, he keeps exactly on pace, he finishes with, with, with what we said, nine and a half touchdowns, roughly 1,000 yards, and then he has a bad playoff game and they lose, right? Then I think you can say, all right, Alshon's good, but – we can replace him. But if he like takes it up another level, which I think is more likely just because he's getting on the same page yep. with Wentz, all yep. those things, and they make it to the NFC Championship game, or, you know, I don't want to say God forbid win the Super Bowl, but I'm just talking from a purely cap perspective. If your team wins the Super Bowl, players are going to want more money. Um, There's they, another wrinkle here. The well, other wrinkle wait, is, let me, let me yeah, finish. Sure, if, sure. If, if, if that happens, then I think, like, how do you let this guy walk? For thirteen million, I mean, if he's if he's a key part of your offense for a team that either made the Super Bowl or almost made the Super Bowl, that is not going to sit well, and it not sit well with fans. And there's something to be said for then, you know, yeah, I think Alshon's replaceable, but you want to bring back the same team as close as possible. Yeah, and and there's another wrinkle here. The wrinkle is, and we talked about this right after the draft, where I know that you were staunchly in the Alshon Jeffrey one-year, not worth the long-term contract camp after they brought him in. Right. And my whole philosophy on what they did by drafting Matt Collins and Shelton Gibson, even though uh, Hollins has shown some flashes, Gibson has been a non-factor, and it looks like he's a pretty long ways away from actually contributing. Mm-hmm. My thought was that they brought Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith here to kind of ease Carson Wentz into having playmakers, right. facilitate this monumental leap in terms of his development that we've seen him take, and then hand the reins off next season at receiver to Hollins, Gibson, and whoever they draft in 2018. Those guys haven't shown yeah, me enough. Yeah, you can't do that. The, those this, guys yeah. have not shown me enough that they can step in. And my bigger picture thought here is, I don't know that you can take one offseason of giving Carson Wentz these weapons and not making sure that you bring, arguably, the number one or number two weapon in the passing attack in Alshon Jeffrey, not bring him back. To yeah, well, that's walk. my thing. You can't, you can't let Torrey Smith and Alshon walk. Because either, A, if you do that, you either have to be sure a guy you're drafting in the first round is going to be able to contribute, or you're going to have to sign a guy. And after the list you just read, there's nobody out there. Right. So they, you can't let both go. The obvious one you let go is Tory because he saves you money. 
I mean, obviously, Alshon's not against the books, but Tory saves you, get, gets you an extra $5 million in cap space. And that's the other part of this, the, the cap space equation. I mean, before the Timmy Jernigan extension, and cap space numbers are, are projected, they're not always perfect, the Eagles were projected to have around $12 million in cap space. Now, $12 Which million, is fine if you're It's if not, you're not that going... fine, though, because you have to pay, first of all, you have to pay uh, your rookie class out of that. Okay. Your first round pick's going to make around $3 million. Yep. You're going to end up using any, I mean, they have, don't have a second and third round pick, so it works out a little better. But we know the way that Howie Roseman structures contracts, he's not going to front load an Alshon Jeffrey deal with $10 million against the cap. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is you had $12 million to start. Yep. Jernigan's deal averages, it's a four-year $48 million. So, yeah, I agree that like it's going to be backloaded and all those things, but it's going to have to be at least six or seven, you would think, next year, right? I mean, I can't imagine it's going to be less than five. Let's just say it's five. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. All right, so that brings you down to seven. Then you five pay... goes to your rookie class. Maybe yeah, well, it's going to be a little less. Right. It's gonna, let's say three to yeah, be conservative. Sure. So that's $8 million. Now you're down to $4 million. Now, clearly, you'll cut guys. Torrey Smith saves you five. Brent Selleck saves you, I think, another four or five. Um, I don't think Darren Sproles is back. Well, yeah, but he was a free agent. Gotcha. So, but, I mean, so there are guys you cut. Um, maybe if you get rid of uh, Mike. Vinnie Curry, maybe, but he he only he saves you six million, but he leaves five million on the books. And as we discussed, um, as much as I'm I'm ready to make Barnett a starter, I think there's something to be said for depth. Um, and I actually think Curry will be back, but Michael Kendricks is a possibility. And then you also remember you have to re-sign Nigel Bradham, and you have to start thinking about a Carson Wentz extension. Right. So. So that's the tricky part of this. Like the Eagles are not in a great shape financially, and and the other thing is you don't want to spend up to the cap. You the Eagles have always had extra money, and they've all because it rolls over. Number yep. one, but number two, um, it's just smart because then now Ajayi doesn't have a huge cap hit, but you're able to trade for guys like Darby and Ajayi because you have a plethora of at least comparatively for right now, a plethora of cap space. And you can see down the line some guys restructuring contracts. You can see somebody like Zach Ertz. Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins restructuring Jason Kelsey, I think, is a prime restructuring yep, guy. Yep, if Kelsey's going to be back, I think he's back here only because of the fact that he restructures his deal. Well, I think he's back even if he doesn't, but I think he will restructure because I think it's worth it to him. They'll extend him. He'll get more benefit. I mean, J- Jason Peters, I mean, yep. had they not done, had they not touched Jason Peters' deal, they could have cut him and saved $12 million bucks. There's your Alshon right, right. there. There's right. $12 million right there for Alshon. So, let, I mean, so let's say, you know, the Eagles, you know, fudge their way up to 17 to $20 million in cap space. If you're looking at Alshon deal that pays him like seven million the first year and then it progressively goes up, yeah. But if you're looking at an Alshon deal where some team's going to overpay and pay him fourteen million dollars a year for four years and you know he gets a ton of it up front, I don't know. I agree. Look, Alshon is much more of a bigger part of this offense than I would have thought. Now I shouldn't say thought. I just mean like I'm less willing to let Alshon walk than I used to. But again, like the numbers are what the numbers are. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe you trust Howie in a situation like this. He knows more about the cap space than we do. Right. They announce a deal today, you know, where he's getting $12 million a year. I'll assume that Howie knows what he's doing, even though, to get back to our original question, I think a lot of Howie's extensions have not been great. Well, I mean, I think Vin, Vinny Curry, uh, Jason Peters. Okay, I'll go to the other side of that. And I, those are bad contracts. Brent Selleck, that was a complete waste in my opinion. Right, I don't yeah. think that you needed to make that kind of deal, and I don't think that his role in this team justifies that kind of contract. But the Lane Johnson extension is a brilliant one because if you ultimately move him to left tackle, you got him early, mm-hmm. you got him at he right tackle He also got suspended money. 10 games last year. 
just right. say, but, but but that's over with. Right. And, he, and he's yeah. currently the best offensive tackle in football, and he's going to be for a while, in, right. in my opinion. So you have that extension. The Zach Ertz extension was a great extension. Um, I think the Vinnie Curry deal initially was a mistake, but if that he looks continues a to be productive, yeah. it's going to look better over time. So I, I don't know how – I think that – my point that I'm trying to make is the good proactive extensions that were made after Chip Kelly was gone in this Howie Roseman 2.0, uh-huh. I think they just about balance out against the bad deals, if not exceed them. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I guess what I'm saying is, so let's say you have around $20 million, 17 to $20 million. I mean, are you giving Alshon 13 At the very least, if you re-sign Alshon to a big deal and you re-sign Jernigan and you re-sign Bradham right. – um, who's, I mean, who's, and also Lance. for what it's yeah. worth, I'm not saying he's on the priority list, but LeGarrette Blunt, great teammate, been productive this year. I mean, yeah, Corey Clement and Jay Ajayi are going to be. Yeah, but maybe as your, year. maybe as your third, I don't, I'm not that he's a big money guy. Right. I'm just saying the reality of a winning team is a lot of players have to play well to get there. Sure. And the Eagles are in a situation where it's working out great because they're, they're nine and one. Everyone's playing great, blah, blah. But you got to. Like, this roster could be in for a ton of turnover. It could and be. And I think the losing Alshon quick. protects you from that a little bit, especially on the offensive yeah, side. But of I think that you downgrade your offense fairly significantly in the passing game because of his Agreed. production and because of the space that's opened up for Aguilar. I mean, if you're, you're going to tell me that you're going to move Al- Nelson Aguilar, who has thrived in the slot, back outside. No, I would not do that. That's I a fool's right, errand. Yeah, you, I agree. You, you hurt 100%. your offense, you hurt your quarterback, you hurt Carson Wentz. But let me ask you this question, because I think that part of – deciding whether or not you're bringing Alshon back is weighing it against what you can and can't do moving forward. They've already locked up Tim Jernigan, which I think was offseason priority 1 or 1A going into this offseason. So that's off the checklist. That's money that's allocated. It's already spent. Outside of your Carson Wentz extension and outside of maybe um, re-signing and extending Brandon Graham, what are the other priorities that the Eagles have to address this offseason. Well, so you're allocating it was going to maybe be a Jordan Hicks extension, but now that looks like that might not happen. I believe Ronald Darby is eligible, but I'm not 100% sure about that. No, I, I mean, think look, he's under control for two years. A- Alshon is a priority, I agree, but the only point is, like, let's say you have six guys. Let's say we, we could list six guys, right? And maybe, obviously, the first guy is way more important than the sixth, but it might be a point where if you sign the top guy, you're saying goodbye to, you know, three, four, five, six. Like Bo Allen, you know, like like the question is, who would you rather have? I'll throw this by you, Alshon. And this is a very big hypothetical, but <laughs> I, I love these rapid <laughs> hypotheticals right, we right. dive into. Okay, so they Alshon- always get me to say something stupid, like I trade Cle- uh, yeah. Carson Wentz for Khalil Mack. Well, I gave that. you an out on that, and you stuck with. <laughs> hey, we all have takes, you know. All right, so look, uh, Alshon or Bradham, Robinson, Bo Allen, and Blunt. Alshon easily. Okay. No okay. no contest. I'm just saying, and I'm, I'm not saying I don't fall on one side or the other for yep. that, but I'm just saying, like, one of the reasons this team has been so good is because of their depth. And, you know, if you let four or five guys walk and you replace them with unknowns, that's just it's a question mark. It just is. And like I said at the beginning, I do think the success of this team impacts what you do with Alshon because – Look, if they – I mean, I guess the argument can be made if you win the Super Bowl, you just let him walk and who cares. Right. But there is going to be more pressure to bring Alshon back if this team makes it to the championship game, and he's a part of that. And he will be a part of that. And, real, and I mean, more than likely, if he if they make the championship game, Alshon's going to be a part of that. Um, so I guess I guess where I'm at 10, 10 games into the season compared to where I was is I'm more willing to resign him. My price tag's gone up. I used to say I would pay 6 or $7 million. Now I'm probably more at – Nine, maybe ten-ish. Okay. I would get a little worried around thirteen, but I think 
it's reaching a point where you got to bring him back. I because agree. just for a lot of reasons, like you look at what Aguilar and Ertz have done in the second year with Wentz, and I think Alshon could have that type of jump in production. And I just don't think you want a ton of turnover, especially for a team that is going to win 13 games. Like the Eagles might not win the Super Bowl this year. They, they probably won't, just statistically speaking. Andy Reid's team didn't win the Super Bowl that first year after they, they went to the championship game and lost to the Rams. It's going to take a little bit of time for this team, but I think if they don't win it this year, you're looking at a 2018 team, barring ton of turnover, that is going to be one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl and will be better equipped to win the Super Bowl because they'll have been will through Will they a year. be better equipped, though? I mean, I think the experience is going to count, but I just, mm-hmm. I, I just think that the landscape of the NFL next year is going to look so different, assuming that Aaron Rodgers stays But here's the thing, and I, I am team Aaron Rodgers as well, but, and I don't think, like, the Eagles are also a very good team, and Carson Wentz is also a very good quarterback. Well, so, so, yes, not, even if Rodgers was take, here, it's right. going to be, it's tougher with Rodgers, but I still think, even if Aaron Rodgers comes back, which he clearly will, sure. you look at the NFC next year, let's just forget whatever happens the rest of this year, you look at the NFC next year and you say the Packers... The Eagles, the, Cowboys, the cat, the, the, ca- the I mean, Cowboys, I guess. But back. I think I would put the Rams ahead of them. Yeah. Um, maybe the Vikings. Again. Yeah. So I mean, there are teams, but I think regardless of whether it's tough or not, the Eagles are still one of the best teams in the conference. And listen, I'm not. I'm year. not trying to take anything away from the Eagles by saying this. I, I just think that when you look at everything that's happened around them this year, it's breaking perfectly for them to make the run. Whereas right. no, I next, agree. Next yeah. year, you could see a significant injury that this team takes and has to overcome. Or you could see um, Jared Goff continue to develop. Or you could see the Seahawks rebound and retool. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is this Eagles team is presently constructed will be a Super Bowl contender in 2018. I I agree they'll be a Super Bowl contender, but I don't think that their chances of winning the Super Bowl go up based on everything that's happened this year that you can't bank on happening Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess I I would – I would agree with you that the experience factor, which I think helps, is is it weighs out the fact that there's a lot of injuries. So I, I see that point. But I guess what I'm saying is it's reached a point where you have to bring Alshon back, in my opinion. Yep. So I agree. The question is just how much does welcome, it cost? Welcome to the bandwagon. <laughs> there's, there's a seat yeah, over there right. for you. But I'm still, I'm still like $13 million. I'd still get a little nervous there. But all right. So before we wrap this up, Eagles are, I think, 13.5-point favorites. Um, over the Bears. Take whatever money you get from your, your lovable aunt or your grandmother <laughs> and right. bet it all on the Eagles. You think they win by 13? I, right. I think they hang a 50 spot on this team. Twice in three weeks. How, how you I like mean, that? the Bears, I agree. The Bears are a competitive team. They, I, don't, I'd be to, I don't have it in front of me. I, I mean, I imagine they haven't gotten blown out very often. Um, I do think the Eagles cover just because they've smoked teams all year, and I don't think this team is really susceptible to a letdown. That being said... Like, for all the times we've talked about letdown games, and I bit into thinking the Cardinals would be a letdown, I mean, Thanksgiving week, coming off the Cowboys, uh, you're about to go to Seattle, home, 1 o'clock, bad team. Like, this is – the trap game is the one you never see coming, so it's hard to say it's a trap game, but this does have trap game elements. I agree. Um, That being said, I just think the Eagles are too good. Then I think they win by 13-plus. Yeah, I think they win something like 53-13. to All right, wow. I'm going to say, like – mid thirties to like in the teens. Like, I mean, it'll be like kind of like the Cowboys game, yeah. and, but I think they'll come out quicker. I, I agree. And I, I just don't think with a rookie quarterback and don't sleep on Jordan Howard, he could rush for 120 yards and against two this team. But, I mean, but I don't think that even running the ball that effectively <laughs> against the Eagles, number one rushing offense defense, rather, I, I don't think that's enough. I don't think that yeah. a one trick pony type of team has a chance to knock off the Eagles. Agreed. All right. So we both agree they're going to win. 
We're both now in the re-sign Alshon camp. We maybe disagree a little bit on the price, but I'm I don't even think that much. I'm going to give you one more chance to redeem yourself with your stupid food taste. Okay? <laughs> give me your favorite Thanksgiving side dish on the way out of here. What would you consider stuffing a side dish? Oh, dude, thank you. Stuffing <laughs> is number one right, Yeah, so stuffing would be me. one. Far, far and I'm away, not number super one. big. I'm not super big on sweet potatoes. I hate sweet potatoes. I like them two. though. I Look like at sweet this. potato we fries. We found some. We found some common ground on food. I there didn't know that go. was possible. That's something to be thankful wow. for. Wow. There we go. All right. Thank. All right, guys. Everyone enjoy their Thanksgiving. We will talk to you after the Bears game on Sunday. See you Sunday.